Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. She is somebody that helps people all over the planet deal with many different things, offers psychotherapy and support for those struggling with many different challenges, traumas, and such. We're going to start with anxiety today because it's, it's huge. A lot of people are dealing with it. Uh, even before we get to that, let's get to her. Marinella Trickett joins us here on the program. Welcome back. How are you? Well, hello, Steve. Good afternoon. Uh, I am very well, thank you. Uh, the sunshine teased, up. <laughs> teased us up <laughs> for a couple of days, but now it's gone in February. Uh, but nonetheless, um, um, smiling and sunshine, um, bringing the sunshine inside is what I'm trying to say. And and you're in Canada. What what part? Um, just west of Toronto, um, Ontario. Uh, Toronto is our biggest city here in Canada, um, and uh, we have currently snow on the ground. Ah. Um, that is why I'm joking with the sunshine and the snow. In, on this geographical location and this time of the year, we have snow. And Steve, you started with anxiety. Um, what is anxiety? Higher activation, again, in the nervous system. Um, when we've experienced some event, some trigger, that trigger internal thought or external danger. And that activation comes in our nervous system, and then um, we do something about it uh, in terms of helping our body, helping our nervous system to regulate. Does does anxiety come from a trigger? Does does it show up always when there's something that triggers it? Uh, there are so so many sources. Sometimes. Um, I would like to take uh, the example coffee as absolutely the most overlooked substance <laughs> we humans turn to. How many times we hear someone say, oh, this is my fifth coffee. And what happens? My body's buzzing in that way, in that way. When we say, oh, I've had five coffees, we don't kind of ascribe that kind of buzz, that activation. We don't say, oh, this is anxiety. However, that is the physical, these are the physical symptoms of uh, um, that activation, that anxiety, that buzz. If my thought, I have thoughts inside my head, as we all do, if a thought comes and say, hey, you know what, danger, do not engage with that thing over there, um, or um, I'm having an exam, that exam is very scary. That same activation will come in my body, but that would be example of internal trigger. I will not associate that with too much coffee that I have ingested. Sometimes, again, there are other agents and um, triggers. Interaction with other people can bring that activation. So there are so many um, different sources that bring about that activation in the body. I have a an email, and you can reach us anytime, instantfeedback, steve at gmail.com. Katie in Newark, New Jersey says... I have anxiety that comes and goes, and so does my mom and sister. They sometimes have it more than me. I've often wondered, is it hereditary to have anxiety? This is a great question, Katie. 
as with any other type of suffering, if you will, um, we look at nature nurture. Uh, generally, of course, a genetic link, especially with the first degree relative, um, comes with a slightly elevated um, risk, if you will, for uh, inheritance, so to speak. Hey, my mom has the genes and um, okay, I may have that genes. However, if we plant a seed and if we uh, nurture it in, in a fertile soil, that seed will germinate. If we don't, that seed will not germinate. And here I'm referring to the environment. It is so, so important, our environment, what is modeled to us. If a parent, uh, we observe a parent, we are two, three, four, five, six, 12, we observe a parent with high activation, parent who, who tell me, hey, exams are very scary. You have to prepare. You have to go day and night. You, you cannot ever do um, good enough on these exams at school. That is what I will learn. That is the narrative. These are the thoughts that I, I kind of referred to a little bit earlier um, that I will have and I will continue because this is the model I will have in my life until I pause and I start to look at that, that pattern. Where is that coming from? And in Katie's case, Katie sharing, hey, it is both my mom and my sister. We humans, emotions are contagious. Uh, hmm. We have this, <laughs> this part of our uh, brain called mirror neurons. Um, and we catch emotions with each other. Steve, if I kind of hit my pinky toe here and I'll be like, oh, that hurts. And you'll be on the other end. Oh, I know what, what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I can relate to that. If you, if you were to say that right away, I would literally relate to it and think, oh, I remember the time I did that. And, and I could even go through the process. When you first hit your toe, uh, a second or two goes by, it's like, oh, it doesn't hurt. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you're right like there. waiting for it to waiting for it to come down waiting for it to come down yeah uh, so yes. this, this, even though i'm not feeling the exact same pain i can feel it i can relate to it so i see i see what you're saying here yes and this is how we catch emotions with each other so when we grow up in an environment that is at that kind of high activation that is where our nervous system will mm. be majority of our life so what do we do then steve after that we work on that ah the same is true for the opposite direction that was the injury my view of the world was interrupted and a message was given the world is not safe hmm. my view of the world now someone introduces and helps me with their lower activated nervous system and say hey you know what, as human beings, we are here for each other. It's safe. We breathe. We, we go to parasympathetic nervous system as opposed to sympathetic activation. This is how I learn. The world is safe and my nervous system comes down, comes out of that high activation. So this is how we, we work with those patterns. We observe them. We arrive at, hmm, there's anxiety in my body. That involves physical activation. That involves specific thoughts. That involves a specific behavior. 
And then what do I do about that? I, w- that is quite- I wanted to get to that right at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost like you led into my mind to my, my, my next question. Somebody suffers anxiety. Something comes up. You know, situation. It, it triggers them. What should they do at that point? How should they handle that? Well, um, also, again, so, so many possibilities. Um, depending on the degree of severity and kind of the impairment in the life of that person. When we work towards healing, Steve, you often hear me saying this healing, healing. Healing is not reaching the point where we do not have emotions and we do not have, let's say, fear and anxiety because as a primary fear and anxiety are very valuable emotion when there is threat to give me that information. But then when I just go about my day, there is a trigger that takes me off kind of my daily life. Mm. What do I do? We have um, distress tolerance skills, for example, very specific. These are very specific sets of behavior we work with um, to help our nervous system to say, hey, uh, temperature, that's just one example of many. Temperature, talking about snow and cold temperatures. Actually, temperature is very, very helpful to shut down that activation. And this is something that we work with uh, and we share with many different people. If we take ice or cold of any any form or shape, ice pack um, or snow outside holding in our hands or take a cold shower. And we apply it, um, provided that there is no issues with uh, um blood pressure or or heart problems. If we apply it on our head for a few minutes or on the back, on the back of our neck, on the wrist, provided there is no issues with self-harming, it is very helpful. In three, four minutes, uh, something what's called the diving reflex, surprise, surprise, is being triggered for the body. The body goes from uh, reprioritizing very, very quickly from that the world is dangerous place to I'm being put now in a position of um, immediate danger of perishing from hypothermia because we experience hypothermia when our body starts to go two degrees below our core temperature. Two degrees, we start to shut down. Of course, the higher the distance, the faster that shutting down. And the body said, worry thoughts, what worry thoughts? (laughs) If I'm in danger of perishing by hypothermia, Worry thoughts are luxury. I cannot engage with that right now because my brain is a resource-consuming monster and a good day takes up to 20% of our caloric intake. So imagine the resources that we do not have to allocate at that moment of reprioritizing. So using um, ice, uh, or temperature, lower temperature, cold shower, cold water splashing on, on the face. Especially in summer, we ha- we drink water with um, kind of ice in it, um, holding you know ice um, in our hand. Any variations of it, uh, Steve. I have heard this from so many people. Um, Greenpeace. <laughs> I think something about the shape of a frozen Greenpeace. Uh, many people were telling me, hey, when I feel that activation, I run to the freezer and grab the pack of Greenpeace, frozen Greenpeace. 
Um, very, very popular. I've heard it so many times. Does it, is it, Marinella, is it working for people because it's, it refocused them? Does it refocus their mind in a different area for that moment? So they're not focusing on, let's say the anxiety. That is also the, the secondary effect. The first effect is this immediate hypothermia danger. If that's why we say, hey, put it on the, on the forehead, on the head, uh, because it's closer to the brain. It gives the brain the signals, danger of hypothermia, without we actually being in that danger of hypothermia, but using a temperature to serve us. Right. And that is how that activation is being shut down. That is how we do not have space to engage with the worry thoughts because, well, if I perish, you know, from hypothermia, what worry thoughts? This, I will not get to the worry thoughts. So one is the reorganization of priority biologically, and two is exactly that reorientation of attention. Hey, this here is grabbing my attention. Um, other uh, very, very impactful and practical ways that we speak with different people, again, depending on the person's situation, is some gustatory experiences. I don't know, Steve, if you have tasted or if you've had sushi. And <laughs> with sushi, they serve wasabi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what happens when we dab? One dab too much. It's like, oh, this is so powerful just enough to redirect our attention just enough at that moment when i tell myself oh my goodness i cannot i cannot do this exam although i have studied so much this exam is or this job interview um or something else in my life that it, those thoughts are going on and on and on now with activation I've... i had a client um they they told me Cinnamon stick is very, very helpful for me. They used to carry in their purse um, cinnamon stick. And when they feel that activation, buses were particularly activated, activating for, for that client. Um, and they were telling me, hey, just on the bus stop, I will just take a piece of cinnamon, not cinnamon powder, but cinnamon stick. I'll just put it in my mouth. I will taste the, it is spicy. For more people, that, that taste will be spicy. And for that person, this was go-to skill to cope with that, to help that nervous system at that moment. So is it the same thing as emotional freedom technique, which is tapping? I don't know if you're familiar with that, where you can tap on certain meridians to refocus your mind away from a situation. And there's different ones. I know there are... They're on the forehead, top of the head. Somebody even told me that if you're in a meeting and you know, let's say it's at work and maybe you have to d deliver a presentation in about 10, 15 minutes and they're getting ready for you, that you can just tap, just tap. And, and it's refocusing your mind in a different direction. So you're not thinking about, and nobody can see you doing it. Your hands can be under the desk and you, um, the refocus, is that helpful even breathing, you know, when, when somebody's going through an anxiety uh, situation? Very much so, Steve. I do not work with the emotional freedom technique, but the tapping is, um, there is a tapping exercises in um, somatic experiencing, for example, a modality that I work with that is bringing attention 
to the physiology. And when we tap first one side and then the other side of the body, um, we sense this is experience. I'm sensing my hand and the contact. I am sensing the boundary. This is where my attention is going as opposed to my thoughts. Mm. And this is how we refocus. We send the attention on the sensation. What's happening with the sensation on the top of my hand with the contact. For example, I'm doing it slow motion right now. And there is sensation that it's taking my attention there. Breathing, Steve, you mentioned, uh, I work a lot. Breath is our vital force. When we shift from, I call it anxious breath, here or another another way, very, very Canadian, This I call this elevator breath. And, but when we shift from upper chest breathing to diaphragmatic breathing, that is where the Canadian reference comes into play, the snowplow. <laughs> When we inhale, the diaphragm expands. When we exhale, the diaphragm contracts. And then that shifts to parasympathetic nervous system. And parasympathetic, to not use those the, the words, rest and digest. That is why we aim to shift to parasympathetic nervous system. We aim to shift to rest and digest. That is why when we shift our breath from chest, to diaphragmatic breath, we start to yawn, we start to relax, because a lot of physiology is shifting for us humans. And definitely, who knows that in that meeting that uh, you are just about to give that presentation in 10 minutes and your heart is racing. Now I am, you are refocusing the breath from here to the diaphragm and taking those few deep breaths. Or let's say in your glass of water, there are a few cubes of ice. Taking one of them, okay, I'm going to take a sip of water with one cube of ice. Or even the tapping, or even um, having, for example, I have here in my office, um, different uh, stuff toy for example the the, the sensation my chair is uh, velvet the sensation these are all techniques that we work with different people we 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 share with the different people and see which one is the one that is most fitting for some people gustatory for some people temperature for some people tactile so we have more people and this is what we are doing here in our conversation the aim is to destigmatize steve destigmatize um work with our nervous system work with our thoughts work with our behaviors these are all we've developed those we go into some of those patterns because this is what was modeled to us we didn't have choice to start employing some of those patterns because they were again um, talking with the, the Katie's question earlier about her mother and about her sister. She didn't have choice what she saw, what she was exposed mm. to, what she took for granted. Sometimes I call this uh, environmental pollution because I come onto this world, um, baby, blank, and then the view of the world and patterns of my caregivers are modeled to me. I don't have choice. And some of those 
um, are adaptive. It, they're helping me in coping with the world. For example, maternal body, paternal body, and all relatives, when they come to see the baby, they hold the baby, they, they're lower activated nervous system. They, ah, come here, come here. Oh, yes, you can bring no one to this home. Okay. Ah, let's hug and now feed. That is how the baby learns to cope with the world. Mm. And yeah. that is how kind of that level of activation generally is like a thermostat is getting set for us in a lower setting. So we have uh, later in our life as adults, um, kind of a bigger emotional bandwidth to, to cope. That is how we, we also still develop, develop the uh, neurocircuitry. Uh, with different repertoire of various emotional responses in order to cope with the world with different situations. And we know, unfortunately, the conditions for that are for um, raising children with those repertoire of various emotional circuitry are so, so diminishing nowadays. And that is why we see children uh, that are experiencing high levels of anxiety mm. the pressure yes because they were not exposed to that they were exposed to the ipad here it is <laughs> ipad does not develop that connection this is why we are here this is why i'm here steve to say hey which one of us hasn't experienced a relational injury of some kind exposed to pattern of some kind and this is why we are here we've, to we've all experienced that <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, it's yes. just many of us don't want to or don't realize it and accept it. Um, but there, we all have stuff that we were exposed to and had challenges through. Um, just about out of time, uh, what you said before is so true in terms of how we breathe. In, in North America, I've heard many of us take short, shallow breaths. And in Europe, uh, Asian countries, they breathe deep. And I believe that they have less stress in a lot of other cultures. I don't know if it's because we're always on the go here. It's just like, you know, it's it's those short, shallow breaths, but that doesn't help us. That only leads to more and more activation. Exactly. Even, yes. Even if we model that, like as you and I are speaking, if, if I start to model that very intentionally with great deal of awareness that I am doing that within the context of this conversation, the nervous system responds. Imagine what it is to live like that for years and years and years and to yeah. go into yeah. that activation on a daily basis. I have to tell you, your presentation, your energy, the way you speak is calming. Like I can find myself oh, relaxing. And and I'll bet that's like that when people work with you, Marinella. How do we find you and how do we connect with you? Uh, Steve, uh, through, um, I have two websites, trickitcounseling.com and trickitpsychotherapy.com. Uh, this is trickit with double T at the end. Um, there, uh, all of our listeners can find um, the email address admin at trickitpsychotherapy.com. They can email us. They can call. And we are here to support. We are here to, again, Steve, destigmatize. There is so much stigma around doing that work. And who hasn't experienced activation? Exactly. 
some point or another. And if somebody's going through that, you can heal. You can get past it. Even even Katie with anxiety, there's ways to to minimize that uh, with your help. Uh, Marinella, thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate it. Steve, I thank you for having me and kind of uh, joining my cause to spread the word. We are not a clinic of cases. We are humans that experience very, very similar um, sufferings and healing. That is why we know that healing is possible. And I really, really appreciate the opportunity to to um, spread the word and say, hey, we are here to support you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. and We'll talk next week, okay? Likewise, Steve. I am looking forward to yeah. our next conversation. Yep. Thank you. We'll be right back. Bye, Steve. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you, A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. It's now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.